GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. On Gibraltar today, 400 presents have been donated as part of a charity initiative. Our reporter Claire Hernandez covers the drive. Gibraltar gears up to the Three Kings Cavalcade. We hear from the committee's president, Erica Boudaram, as well as the RGP's chief inspector, Paul Schubelina. Also Tom Reid from Gibraltar Rugby, one of the many organisations preparing a float. But first, Minister for Tourism and Culture says events will be bigger and better in 2024. Christian Santos discusses his plans for event-led tourism. Our cultural calendar is already very rich. It's always been, we've always been a cultural hub. Um, and I know we had COVID and things came to a stop, but I think um, the, the world and, and Gibraltar is now picking up and becoming what we were pre-COVID. So uh, we've got the same uh, major Gibraltar-wide events. Uh, we're just looking at making them a little bit bigger um, because now that I've got culture and tourism, I think that the product that we offer in Gibraltar is something that should be used to get people into Gibraltar in the same way that we go abroad to different events and to celebrate um, people's identity, um, different countries' identity, the same way that I would like it uh, to be the case here in Gibraltar. Yeah, the, the two ministries work quite well together, don't they? They, I, they link. Uh, they yeah, fit. in my opinion, I think, or the way that I view what we have as a product in Gibraltar, uh, when we look at how tourism has developed, for example, before we uh, travelling wasn't as popular as it was today, maybe people couldn't afford it as much, and then the way that we used to travel, or people that the tourism industry used to work at, kind of you go and you visit um, the major sites, but now it's more experiential, and it's more about the experience you have in the place, the cultural identity of the country, and and I think that's what makes us very unique and very rich. In, in, in It's not just our rich history. It's also our cultural identity, who we are, where we've come from. And this is something that we need to exploit. And this is some two ministries that work perfectly in tandem. You mentioned the pandemic. Would you say you've possibly come into this position at the perfect time when people are really hungry for events because of, of the, the few years where we didn't have any? It's the and, perfect- that, and now you're actually able to, to kind of carry through with them. Yeah, uh, during COVID, I was very active in looking for alternate ways of, of entertainment. And I'm always trying to keep myself active. I think uh, for me, it has been the perfect time because it seems to be a bit of a rebirth in everything, in tourism, in, in culture, in everything. And every project that I've, uh, every ministry and every portfolio that I'm working with, I seem to have a project that I want to launch and start and um that's what I'm really passionate about. Starting something afresh or continuing something like now. It's not I'm starting anything. I'm just rebuilding what already has existed at a time where I think we have a lot of possibilities to, to, to you know, catalyze change. You say rebuilding and what we have already. So does that mean the events that we're used to, Galentita, the Literary Festival, are they just going to get bigger? Or are you also planning on introducing new events into our calendar? Well, the events that we have... Um, I want to make them bigger, not just bigger in size of, of you know, that can can always happen. You get sponsors, you get uh, different companies, you, you just do it in different ways, but bigger in, in, in attendance and how we provide that product, not just to the Gibraltarian. Because if we uh, capitalize on that event, in turn, we will get people in beds, we'll get people staying overnight, we'll get people spending money here in Gibraltar. And that's what it's all about, really, about making Gibraltar a better place for all of us who live here and for people from abroad to come and make Gibraltar better for us. You know? And uh, will you be mainly catering to or trying to attract, uh, for example, the, the Spanish tourists, just because, of course, it's um, it makes sense. Now they're across the border, it's a lot easier for them to, to come and join us. Or are you hoping to, to attract people from further afield as well? <laughs> 
Well, the Spanish, as you, as you mentioned, the, the Spanish tourist is just as you cross the border. They'll, they'll be a fantastic day tripper, but we've also got direct flights to the UK. So if we can offer our events as part of packages that people can see uh, that they can spend a few days in Gibraltar and they can enjoy the event. Uh, some events take two, um, longer than just a day, like we did for Christmas Wonderland. We had an offering of two days and we saw a lot of influx of people coming in to Gibraltar to celebrate that. And that will also join with our tourist product that we already offer. So hopefully we'll get people coming to stay uh, in Gibraltar for a few days. We're not just a day trip destination, I don't think. Uh, Now, of course, we are living through a cost of living crisis. Uh, Mm. Derek has been in touch and he says all the events um, for next year, well, this year, how are they all being budgeted, he's asking? Well, the budget uh, for events hasn't really changed much um, in the past don't know, as, as far as I can remember, tenders seem to be the same. But now we're getting a lot of support from uh, private investors with regard to s- sponsorship. And as well, remember that when I say bigger, a lot of it is uh, a bigger offering. So I've also got a budget from Marketing for Tourism. So, for example, marketing the event may come from a different area, a different budget and a different way of marketing. So it's not just marketing here locally. Um, I want you to become this hub of of. of of, of culture and entertainment and tourism and life and, and get people coming into Gibraltar and, and spending their time and investing in us as a community and, and their money and just making Gibraltar vibrant and, 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 uh, and, and the key to the tourism industry internationally. So you're hoping to get more support from uh, public businesses, for example, and, and private businesses to get sponsorship that way rather than increasing the budget Yes, because a lot of um, the past few events that we've had, that we've done, we've had a lot of sponsorship from private companies. Um, we get a lot of help, a lot of support, because it's all about getting people into Gibraltar, isn't it? Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the restaurants, the bars, of like course. you said, the hotels, if we can Everything. entice people to stay here longer than a day, then the hotels will also benefit. Exactly, because as, it's an, as I say, an event can become an event that's an investment into Gibraltar and the collateral investment is, is can be huge. Nights at hotels, uh, expenditure down the main street. Um, that's why we've done a lot of, uh, we've done a lot of trials during the Christmas period. We had Christmas Saturdays in town, which is something that we've done during Christmas. But it's something we're looking into maybe doing throughout the year uh, if we find the chance because it's been a great way to kind of, it's also about keeping people in Gibraltar as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, summer nights is something that gets brought up quite regularly mm-hmm. because they were so popular when mm-hmm. they're in their heyday and people seem to really be missing them. So can we expect perhaps something along those lines this summer? There are plans for summer events. Um, maybe changing the format of what summer nights used to be. Uh, we're currently meeting, actually have a meeting uh, thing. Uh, on Tuesday about it actually to, so because it's something we're working on now I have a lot of uh, meetings on events happening throughout the year now so that we can pre-plan um, and we're looking at having a summer programme I miss them too so and then uh, for example recently we've also seen some complaints online and to the police about noise pollution so I suppose that's something that you'll have to take into consideration because cultures have changed uh, since you know pre-pandemic so I suppose that's something that you'll have to look into when organising summer events which I assume will be outdoors Exactly but we have to look at um, uh, we have to look at everything we have to look at how events will work where the venues are how close they are to residential areas but we also need to understand that a lot of people in those residential areas will also hopefully be uh, enjoying these events. So we have to look at all, all different areas, you know, like we do now for all events, you know.
So with your tourism hat on and um, with the aim of keeping people in Gibraltar for more than one day, how are you planning on improving Gibraltar as a tourist destination? So people come to Gibraltar and they think, oh, it's beautiful here, it's safe, it's clean. For example, uh, you see lots of, of comments online in particular complaining about the cleanliness of Gibraltar. Yeah. So how are you hoping uh, to improve us as a tourist destination so people actually stay after the event? So currently we're working very closely because we do the marketing that the the tourist board does the marketing for Gibraltar as a tourist destination and the tourist sites are part of uh, the Upper Rock Nature Reserve environment. So we're working very closely together with Minister Cortes um, and finding new ways where we can We've got a lot of new attractions up the rock. We've got investment into the World War II tunnels. We're looking at um, northern defences. And then I'm looking at ways to kind of uh, also keep um, tourists enjoying not just the upper rock, but the whole of Gibraltar. So we're looking at at making more Instagrammable spots here and there and about... I'm working on a big rebrand of of Gibraltar that will be launched in April. Uh, and that will play a key part in how we promote Gibraltar abroad. Now, what we feel as, as as Gibraltarians is very different because we're proud of our rock and we live here. And the longer you stay here, the, the, the more things you take for granted. Um, I've been very fortunate that in the past few months, I went to the, the world travel market and I've, I've, I've had people over in, Gibral- uh, in Gibraltar and I've had a lot of meetings with cruise companies already. Uh, Gibraltar is a very popular destination. They they think very highly of Gibraltar and the product that we offer. So um, what I've done is gone back to the drawing board, appreciate what we have and think of how we can make it better. So we're working together with, uh, as I said, with the environment and the nature reserve to see how we can work on that as well as working on, on what we offer downtown and in the marinas and I'm sure you don't want to give too much away on this rebrand that you're launching in April. You mentioned those more like Instagrammable spots, no, which might be like a, a highlight for tourists. Can you give us any other details on, on the rebrand? Well, um, the rebrand is... The main part of the rebrand is to, to launch an international campaign, getting people to enjoy Gibraltar, not just for its uh, Britain in the Sun image. And that's what I want to work towards. Gibraltar is not just about Britain in the Sun. It's so much more than that. And that's what we're working towards. Um, we're looking at, at a rebranding our logo, which is going to be about unifying the product we already have. So it might um, not be a, a... It's about getting Gibraltar to look the same wherever we look. As, as a brand. And so I suppose we want to celebrate our Janito culture and our yeah. uniqueness more. Yeah, we are a Mediterranean. We are the, the key to the Mediterranean, after all. We do have our British heritage. We have our military history. We have uh, every, all, all that uh, historical side. But we also have a lifestyle and a vibe uh, that comes with living here in the Mediterranean. And, and we have winter sun. You know, this is something that we take for granted. But this is something that a lot of uh, other countries do not enjoy. And that's what Maybe we not to. so much today. But yesterday was yesterday was sweltering. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. It's yeah, already yeah, of course, January, I know. And that's when we it really... was too hot yeah, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so lots of events, lots of big exciting plans. And we haven't even touched on equality yet, but just alone with tourism and yeah. culture, there's so much in the pipeline for 2024. Very ambitious plans. Are you confident you'll be achieving them? Yes, um, because when... I put my head down to something. I make sure that 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 that, that it happens. I will try my hardest to make it happen. And I've got a very easy product. It's about selling the best country in the world. So all I need to do is find that, make make sure that everyone else sees the beauty that I see in Gibraltar. Um, and I know that when we go abroad, I'm so passionate about Gibraltar, about being Gibraltarian, about our culture, what we have to offer. Um, that that I'm sure that we will get Gibraltar uh, back to where it was and pre-pandemic and everyone's fighting for this for their country so I'm very passionately doing that too. 
So by the end of 2024, fast forward 12 years, <laughs> oh, sorry, 12 years, 12, 12 years, months. Let's, <laughs> let's not jump, jump ahead. Uh, fast forward 12 months, uh, where would you like to see Gibraltar in terms of tourism-led events and uh, just Gibraltar on the map in general? Um, 12 months is a short time, but in 12 months, I want to see that people have noticed that there's been um, work put into Gibraltar, the community, the culture and the tourist product. And that for me, it's about a four term, four year plan. You know, that's when I want to see that there's been an increase in, in tourism. There's been an increase in investment in Gibraltar. Um, and that's where I want to get. And that events, of course, are flourishing and getting bigger and bigger. And people want to invest in Gibraltar and our cultural events. We've got uh, a lot of uh, conferences lined up as well that will soon be um, announced. But yes, in 12 months, I just want people to smile and say, listen, they've, he's worked hard. Well, just one final question from Bev, a listener who's been in touch. She says, with a variety of public and private companies increasing their investments in Gibraltar, is there a danger that the cultural aspects of Gibraltar may be changed to represent and promote the businesses, images and products? Uh, no, usually the, 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 biz, the, the businesses, that sp- I, I take that, that um, what she means is that we don't let the sponsors take, take over, over what the event is, rather right? than what um, the, the culture of Gibraltar yeah, really normally is. Normally what we found is that the sponsors and investors want to invest in that event. Uh, like it's always very easy to have people support the Gibraltar Festival of Lights for example because people want to be a part of that event and they want to be seen to be formed part of that event and we're proud of what we offer and it's a great uh, event to be a part of so they don't we just you know we just promote that they've been our sponsors but we never seem to have to change what is the the, the feel or the look of the event so currently I don't envisage that to be a problem because usually we get people supporting the event for what it is The Three Kings Cavalcade is set to be a big success tomorrow. 13 floats will be participating, along with some walking groups and, of course, the kings themselves. The event takes months of planning by both the Cavalcade Committee and the Royal Gibraltar Police. I'm now joined by the committee's Erica Butheram and the RGP's Chief Inspector Paul Shubilina. So welcome to the show. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kelly. Uh, Eric, if we can start with you. You plan all year round for this event. I imagine that with just a day to go as all systems go at the moment. Yes, I mean, the phone is non-stop, on the go, WhatsApps, uh, phone calls, emails, you name it. It's all going. Um, most of the floats are ready. I think probably one of the floats probably had a mishap this morning with the rain. Oh, of Because it was course. out in the rain. Mm-hmm. And we're grateful that we have the Midtown Coach Park, and that's a great, great asset to have. So we have most of the floats undercover. And that has been a great, great um, success in that respect. Well, I hope thanks for that to, Thanks float. to government yeah. who, who provided the sheltered accommodation. I hope that the float that had the mishap has, has been um, rectified since then because I know yeah, so I mean, much... I haven't seen it, but so much I suppose it because it. it was out in the open air. Mm-hmm. It probably had a few problems, but... Uh, fingers crossed for fingers them. Fingers crossed. Because I mean, I, I think weather for tomorrow was showing no rain so yeah, uh, fingers crossed uh, well Chief Inspector Shibalina uh, just how big of a policing operation is it to make sure the cavalcade goes by uh, smoothly goes ahead uh, safely and smoothly well Kelly it is a, a relatively big operation in terms of resourcing and planning um, we start our planning uh, just before early December because we're conscious of the Christmas break and and uh, departments that we need to liaise to LIAs with rather may not always necessarily be on, on our same working hours. So it's very much a partnership approach. We're supporting the organiser, in this case, the Cavalcade Committee that is in turn supported by cultural services, JT Security and a, and a, a number of other entities. 
Um, we work closely in partnership with them throughout the year for other events. So it's pretty much a you know res- relatively well-oiled machine in that regard. So we plan around resourcing for the events, planning planning in the lead-up too, so risk assessments, all sorts of tiny things about safety around floats, heights, restrictions, safety equipment, uh, something that you know th- people might consider driving licenses for HGV vehicles. So everything from that right up to the the, the, the more serious stuff around threat and risk and harm to the what was essentially Gibraltar's first and largest uh, event of the social calendar. Um, so a lot of that has been happening behind the scenes quietly over the last couple of weeks. And there's a couple of innovations that we take on board year on year, lessons learned from events around safety of, of floats, crowd safety, especially in the assembly area of floats. Uh, that Eric might 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 want uh, want to mention, which very much supports uh, their thinking, and and we support on the day. Uh, and overall, it's just about making sure that we have a safe environment for participants and the public to be able to enjoy it. Thousands of people will be lining the streets tomorrow, exactly. so I imagine the pressure is on. What would you say are the police's uh, biggest concerns when it comes to an event of this magnitude? So initially, it's ensuring that. Um, event organisers and any other contracted staff that they take on board to a system understand their roles and responsibilities because each of us has a role to play. The police has a role to play. We're not responsible for the events, but we are responsible for supporting and guiding event organisers to different extents. Uh, We need to make sure that things like, you know, traffic uh, arrangements, road closures, parking restrictions, getting floats to the event and away from the event... Um, ensuring the safety of the crowd in the entire footprint because it stretches from casements all the way to John McIntosh Hall, which leads me quite nicely to the point of appealing to the public's, you know, common sense. Don't try and block the access from casements into Main Street. Use the entirety of the event footprint. Yes, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but the Cavalcade Committee have, you know, introduced innovations to ensure that the procession or the cavalcade flows much smoother with less interruptions but uh, but you know it's it's a bit of everything combination we do have firearms officers on the day we have uh, various types of specialist resources that i won't go into in great detail but we have search officers search operation starts uh, early in the morning so it's pretty much a full day affair culminating several weeks of planning and then, of course, that's all the behind-the-scenes uh, work. But, Eric, I mean, so many people getting involved this year. I know previous years you've kind of had to really push for participation, but that hasn't been the case this year, has it? Well, we had problems not in participation but in acquiring trailers. In fact, we bought ourselves two trailers, two uh, seven-meter trailers, which are low-level, um, very easily towed by 4 by 4s uh, in order to reduce the health and safety element of having big cabs. Uh, and it's something that we would like to continue with. You know, I mean, we've bought two. Let's see if we can get some sponsorship and, and get a few more and do away with the big trailers, you know, the 40-foot trailers with um, the big uh, cabs. And hence, we will reduce the the element of health and safety you know, because it would be towed by a 4x4, which is a relatively smaller vehicle, as well as the fact that it will not be blowing so many exhausts um, into the air, you know, sort of polluting the air. So, you know, looking at the entirety of health and safety, which is one of the major things now. 
I mean, when I joined the Cavalcade Committee 40 years ago, little did we know that so much red tape and so much um, involvement in in getting things organized. You know, sort of, we are a, a voluntary committee. Uh, we do it without remuneration at all. There's only 10 of us in the committee. And, you know, all in all, it's all volunteers. And we have a huge responsibility placed on us in the organization of it. I mean, little did those 67 years ago who started the cavalcade knew what they were getting into. Probably they wouldn't have started, <laughs> started the to begin with. Then. Um, but yeah, the logistics of it, the red tape, like you said, all the hard work that goes into it. At the end of the day, at the heart of the event is something that the whole community can enjoy. So surely that makes all the hard work worth it, no? Well, the whole uh, work makes it worth it once the cavalcade is over. And you've seen the success. You've seen that everybody's enjoyed it. That we haven't had any mishaps. You know, that's the element of it. That's when you sort of relax and say, we've done it, another cavalcade over. Now for but, next year. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the stress the stress of going through all the problems that we encounter. I mean, 14 floats, not 13, 14 floats. Oh, 14. So, well, okay, well, more than um, expected, which is more than usual. No, Eric, it's... Normally, normally we've had between 10 and 12. I mean, and we've had two entities who have not been able to participate. In fact, one of them was your own selves, GBC, who wanted to produce a float on your 60th anniversary, but we didn't have a trailer to, to provide. I mean, we don't provide trailers. I mean, normally people look for trailers themselves, but that's another thing that's been placed on us, you know, people wanting to participate and asking us, well, find me a trailer. So we're running all over Jib trying to find trailers, and we've got to be grateful to all those transport companies who provide trailers, because at the end of the day, they're running a business. And, you know, sort of if the trailer is used generally for their own business or a 20-foot 20, 20 um, lorry, flatbed lorry, they use it for their own business, they cannot have it two weeks or three weeks down at the coast park without being used, you know, just for somebody to build a float. So we've got to be very, very grateful to those who provide us the floats, you know, the, the actual... Uh, trailers full of floats. Well, I think that because the the event, the cavalcade, was so missed during the pandemic years, I think that's probably why there's such an appetite now for more participants, uh, which is uh, just represents what an important community event it is in Gibraltar. Can you tell us, I don't. I know you don't want to give too much away ahead of tomorrow, but in terms of what we can expect to see in the floats, can you give anything away? Yeah, we've got uh, probably uh, that, the Adams family. We've got uh, Super Mario. We've got um, I thought there might be a Barbie one this year just because no, the film was such I a success. One. I don't think there's one. But, yeah, I mean, there's... Obviously, we have the nativity scene which follows the um, Three Kings floats. This year, we don't have Miss Gibraltar because she already went last year and obviously it's the same Miss Gibraltar that's reigning over the 12-month period. Um, but, yes, you know, I mean, all in all, some will be bigger floats than others. We have four walking entities as well, four bands, and obviously the Three Kings floats. So I think we're going to have a good cavalcade. I'm sure. And it I think will people be. will enjoy it. I'm sure. And uh, Chief Inspector, just before we wrap up, what would you like to say to the public ahead of this event in terms of being responsible, keeping safe, and making your, your job that little bit easier tomorrow? Well, I think the first one would be <clears throat> just to comment on one of the uh, newer in innovations beyond the, the, the excellent uh, floats or trailers that, that Eric was talking about, which is great for space and size and, and the environment as well, 
is uh, this year at 18.45 hours, um, we will be supporting the organisers and, and the marshals to ask the public at casemates to move behind and stay behind the demarcated barriers, A, to protect themselves from the floats and distinct, and to be able to demarcate the area between participants, floats and the public, which sometimes can get a bit congested. And, you know, it's it's one of the ways that we can improve health and safety around those areas. So, uh, you know, uh, we, we will be supporting uh, Eric and his team with that. Uh, the other one would be, as I said earlier, just repeat the, the, the appeal for the public to use as much of the event footprint as possible, so the entirety of Main Street, right up to the convent and beyond. Um, the third one would be, please familiarise yourself with the public announcements already made us from yesterday regarding road closures and uh, and parking restrictions. We don't want, you know, irate and angry people at the last minute because they weren't aware of how they could access the event or not in terms of parking and driving. So that's one. And the last one, from a, from a sort of security standpoint, you know, it's a public event. We can't, you know, forget, and it would be remiss of me if I didn't mention this, you know, people are always, in, you know, we ask people to be alert, not alarmed, and, you know, report anything that doesn't feel right. Trust your instincts and approach one of the marshals, the ushers, police officers, anybody in uniform related to the events. If you're not, if something doesn't sit quite right with you, somebody's behaviour, something unattended, please approach uh, calmly one of the officials. Uh, you know, everybody will be wearing high-vis tabards and people will be identifiable. Please approach and so we can make sure that we don't have any interruptions to the event. Our community's generosity really knows no bounds. The community has once again proven that. I'm joined by the newsroom's Claire Nandes, who's covering a charity drive for children in particular. Good afternoon, Claire. Hi, Kelly. Thanks. Thanks for letting me talk about this yeah, lovely event. It's such a lovely one. Tell us about this toy donation drive and how it all came about. Well, it's a time of year when I think people are, are at their most generous. It's still the Christmas period um, and especially when it comes to children we really think about their needs at this time. It's a time for giving. The thought perhaps of a child waking up on Christmas morning and not having a gift as a parent, it's quite distressing. Um, so this is where this initiative comes along. It's Ningun Niño Sin Juguete. Um, no child without a gift. So Raúl Mesa locally has organised a local toy drive with Linense Oscar Marín. Now Oscar Marín is known as El Robin Hood de la Línea. So he's very much involved in helping families in need just across the border. And they put out a call on social media through WhatsApp groups, etc. for people to bring in toys, new toys, toys that could be given to children between basically months and 13 years of age to help 200 families in La Línea. So that was the aim, to get toys for the 200 families. But the reality is the community has basically gone over and above. And we've got a few words from Raúl from yesterday. Pues la impresión me da como siempre he hecho cualquier clase de, o cualquier eh, acto benéfico aquí en Gibraltar es que los llanitos somos brutales y a nivel charity lo damos al máximo. Eso es la verdad. Los llanitos somos brutales. Yes. Basically, we just <laughs> give and we keep mm -hmm. on giving is what Raúl was, totally. was saying in that clip. Um, he confirmed to me this morning the drive managed to collect almost 400 toys. So that's practically double what they were expecting for the families in La Línea, which means that they're able to donate toys to Clubhouse Gibraltar. So keeping it local as well. I know we, we think about the local community. We think about 
Lo Entorno is in La Línea Algeciras and that as, as kind of being part of our community. So it's a massive drive and it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Definitely. And of course, Santa is um, always going to be there for Christmas morning. We've Definitely. got the Three Kings as well. But obviously families also like to give extra. No? And you want to give to your nieces and your nephews. So families really struggle, especially Absolutely. now with the cost of living crisis. This is probably um, more needed than ever. I think so. And I think that we find as well, because... Obviously, we all rely on Santa. The Three Kings come in Spain. We don't always have the Three Kings here in Gibraltar. I know that some families do tell me that the Three Kings come in Jib and they give little chocolates and things under the Christmas tree, which is lovely. But there are families that need a little bit more and a little bit help, a little bit of help. And this toy drive has just, as I said, it's exceeded expectations. It helps, especially, as you say, cost of living is a very big problem that families are finding, not only in, in Jib, but in La Línea, as we said, in the surrounding area. It's really hit the campo, the Hiraldar, quite hard. Well, it's a lovely story, and I know that you're working on it to put together a package uh, for GBC News this evening as well. So thank you so much for, for talking to us about it. Do you know if perhaps if people are listening to this now and they're thinking, oh, actually, I've got some toys I could donate. Is that still available? Unfortunately not. The drive concluded yesterday, so it was literally a, a one-stop shop. It was a one-night event. But, you know, hold on to them because oh, and there are there so, are many, so charities. many charities. Exactly. You've so got, um, you know, Generous Hearts, for example, like you said, Clubhouse Gibraltar. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on. There are lots of charities for families in need, uh, CareLink as well. So exactly. I'm sure there are plenty of options. And we'll keep our ears to the ground for anything that's happening and we will obviously advise everyone accordingly. I am joined now by one of the many organisations taking part in tomorrow's Three Kings Cavalcade and that is Gibraltar Rugby. Tom Reed, thank you for coming in today. Welcome yeah. to the studio. Thank you very much for having me on. So what can we expect to see uh, tomorrow from your float? Yeah, so we're really focusing on uh, sort of getting Gibraltar Rugby out there more and really pushing into the community. We're really key on engaging the community as much as possible to push for, you know, inclusivity is a real key theme of, of our float. Um, and also our, our values of uh, ride or ride as we have it as well it's um respect uh inclusion uh discipline enjoyment and also uh excellence as well as we really want to push forward obviously as a national team and uh and represent Gibraltar on the rugby stage so the theme is inclusivity how exactly will that look when it comes down to what you guys will be presenting to the community yeah, so we're just making sure we get everyone as involved as possible. We've got over 50 of our members getting involved, sort of some will be walking. Obviously, we can't fit them all onto the float, but um, we will get everyone involved from two years old all the way through. We've got women's team players, got senior men's players, you know, everyone that's involved. We've got some sort of veterans players involved as well, really showing that the rugby is a sport for everyone, no matter your size, your um, gender, anything. It's something that we really want everyone to get involved in. What about the actual float itself? Have you guys been working hard to make it look good? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about that side of things? <laughs> yeah, so it's something that we've uh, we, we've really worked to sort of just push our message out there. So we've got some, some big banners on the side. Some, we've erected some rugby posts as well. So we've been hard at work making some rugby posts. I think we've got some uh, drain pipes we've made into rugby posts. So we've been really trying to create a bit of a theme. Yeah. yeah, that's the idea. And then people with some rugby balls throwing them around, just really kind of showing that everyone's involved, everyone's active, um, just sort of promoting that kind of, obviously, rugby, but also active living and, and enjoying themselves. Now, you mentioned those core values. Let's go through some of them. It's um, RIDE, so respect, inclusivity, uh, discipline, enjoyment, excellence. If we can focus, for example, on discipline, I mean, the work that you guys put into it is, is uh, another level, isn't it? Yeah, massively. It's something that rugby we really hold as a, as a core value in terms of our discipline, not just on the field, but off as well in terms of our preparation for games. But 
you know, also in terms of respecting other players, respecting other referees, you know, it's a, it is a physical sport if you're playing the contact version. Obviously, there are touch versions as well for those who don't want to get too sort of up close and personal, as it were. But um, it's something that we want to get everyone, you know, disciplined, you know, really working hard towards the same sort of goal and then enjoying themselves as well, obviously, which is the E within the ride. And then also excellence, which, of course, uh, you need the discipline for that. <laughs> yes, definitely. Obviously, our, our domestic teams need their excellence, but also, as I said, our national team as well. It's something we're really pushing for is to get the recognition on the world stage. We're still trying to follow the other sports in Gibraltar that have gained recognition on the world stage with World Rugby and Rugby Europe. So if we can keep pushing towards that, we keep holding our values close to our heart, especially our excellence. The more we push, the more we show that we deserve to be there, the, uh, the easier that should be. Well, last year you really pushed to get the the whole community involved in the sport. You had loads of events, so I suppose uh, joining the cavalcade this year is just another way of doing that now and reaching out into into the public. Yeah, exactly. We want to get the community involved of Gibraltar. You know, community is at the heart of Gibraltar, really. Everyone, you know, has been so welcoming since I've come over, and I know many other people that feel so welcome, whether they're Gibraltarian or expats who have come over. It's a really welcoming community, and we want to continue that with Gibraltar Rugby as well. It's something that we really hold true and, and hold close to ourselves, and, yeah, it's just something we really want to get involved with. Another big aim for you guys, encouraging your young participants and really encouraging the youth. So how's that been going for you? Yeah, really good. We've uh, got our uh, youth festival, so uh, really, really pushing forward with the tag rugby version of the game. So it's a great way for kids to get involved. I myself have been going into uh, St. Joseph's and Anne's um, and a few other schools as well to try and promote rugby and get rugby into the curriculum. Just give people a taste of what they can do and what they can be involved with. You know, people often think rugby and they think people smashing into each other and contact sport, but it doesn't always have to be that way. There's various other ways to take part, various other ways to get involved, and it's joining our community as much as anything else. And are you hands-on with the, the young participants in particular? What's your role, Tom? Yeah, so my role as Rugby Development Officer means that I'm involved from the uh, teams that we have down on a Saturday morning, all the young guys who come down and uh, and get involved, but also then, as say, in the schools, being really active, working with teachers to be able to help them to be able to develop, uh, to deliver rugby sessions, but, you know, give it to kids that haven't had a go at it before and, you know, just, just really impressing that it's a fun game. You can really get involved, really have good fun. You know, we, we really want to push and grow the game as much as possible within Gibraltar. And we'll only do that by getting it out there to people. So that's really important. But that continues on through as well. Uh, we've just started our, our academy. So from under 16s, under 18s and under 20s as well, we've got a bit of an academy now that can push into the national team and really a bit of a pathway there for young Gibraltarian players who really want to push and represent Gibraltar. Well, certainly starting the year with a bang by starting with a cavalcade float. If anyone does want to get involved in Gibraltar rugby, what's the first step to take? Well, just come down. We've got free taster sessions that you can come down to on a Saturday morning, 10am. We normally have our sessions. If not, just get in touch with us on social media at Gibraltar rugby or uh, email us. It's absolutely fine. We've got loads of details online on social media. So please get in touch. And we're always welcome to anyone, whether you're someone who wants to play, help out maybe by coaching, volunteering, refereeing, we're always open to getting anyone involved. And I say, we want Gibraltar's community to also be our community. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.